you know how often identity theft occurs? Every two seconds, affecting even children. The great news is that you and your loved ones don't have to become the next victim. In the Cyber Mindful with Sandra podcast, we'll explore together simple practices that increase the cyber safety of you, your family, and your business. I'm your host, Sandra Esto, and I believe the key to protecting yourself from hackers, scammers, and cyber monsters is rooted in being fully present, both online and offline. This podcast is a conversation among friends. I'm delighted that you are choosing to take charge of your cyber safety because you deserve to have peace of mind online and protect what matters most to you. So let's do this together. Hello, welcome to Cyber Mindful, another episode. And today, oh my goodness, today I'm so, 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 so excited because this is an episode, listen to me, you don't want to miss. I know you probably have heard about cryptocurrency, NFTs, and all this tech boss words. And if you have been following the news, oh my goodness, yes, you, you, you probably know what's been happening on that space. And with us today, I just want to say, I met Neil Singh recently, and he captivated me like from the beginning, because he is not only an amazing human person, but he is a tech guru. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about who Neil is. So Neil is a tech leader that mentors entrepreneurs. Yes, this is for you, my network of entrepreneurs, business owners that are listening to the show. And Neil particularly advocates for women in technology, women in general. And I love it because we have so many women in my podcast that now you can listen to this show and understand easily when the words, the cryptocurrency and NFT and some of the technology things that we will talk come to your mind. So Neil has grown Ohio tech sector through co-leading, listen to me, 60.3 billion portfolio and spurheading inclusion initiative. I mean, I love it. I mean, Neil stays relevant, and this is why he's coming with us today, because he's not only someone that is very connected in the emerging technologies, but he's an expert also working with AI, cybersecurity, semiconductors, and so much more. So what we will be doing today in the show, we are going to demystify the volatile world digital assets. So we're going to explore what are some of those common scams and sharing tips. Now, I'm not going to continue to talk because I just want to hear from Neil. So Neil, welcome to our show. Hello. It's nice to be here, Sandra. So, so, so excited. Now, Neil, I know my listeners are, okay, what are we talking about? Like, Let's start with what is an NFT? What are cryptocurrency? Like, tell us. So in the simplest way I can describe it, cryptocurrency is a token created on blockchain, and it signifies a unit of value. Mm -hmm. Um, 
an NFT is a token that enables ownership of a digital asset. So mm -hmm. while cryptocurrency represents a token on the blockchain, an NFT is a representation of ownership of a digital asset or a token. Um, and that's how the two differentiate. Um, you know, cryptocurrency, obviously, everyone's heard of Bitcoin mm -hmm. by now. There's probably at least 50 other types of cryptocurrency, if not more, currently in circulation. Um, whereas NFTs is really the ability to take claim over something that okay. you may own online, a digital asset online. Um, it's, it's like... For example, it, for, for most people, the best way I can describe it is like you have a title on your house mm -hmm. or ownership documents on your car. Um, NFTs were originally designed to represent that so that you could have the NFT as a, as a symbol of ownership for a digital asset. Okay. Um, you know, individuals can buy, sell, exchange cryptocurrencies and NFTs, and, mm -hmm. and the most popular cryptocurrency in exchange is Bitcoin. And mm -hmm. I think that's followed um, very, very closely. Hold on, I'll just quickly look at the market news on this. Um, just to be current. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Sorry. I I just wanted to see what was going on with the crypto. So Ethereum and Bitcoin are still the, the two leading mm -hmm. coins that are in circulation. Um, and the market cap for Bitcoin right now is, it, it says it's somewhere like six, $688 million, I think. Wow. Um, and the market cap for Ethereum, the second most popular traded coin, is about $227 million, I believe, um, with prices between the two. You know, Bitcoin is trading at $35,000 right now, mm -hmm. and Ethereum is trading at close to $2,000 right now. So these are the high value or the highest value um, cryptocurrencies currently in the exchanges that are circulating around the world for people to invest in. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to have a long <laughs> No, it's okay. No, 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 no worries. Now, I remember, especially I think during the pandemic time, there was even, I think the crypto rose over like $60,000 or even more. Do you remember those? And I, I don't know what has been the peak of that. But I, it's, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. The peak was close to $60,000. I think 58000 was the yeah. absolute highest that I've seen it in the past, I think. Um, yeah, go on. So now imagine that you, you invest at 58 or 59 and now just we're talking about 30s, you know, and some change. So like, you know, the, the, the gains and the losses. And, and that's what we want to talk about, because sometimes we hear a boss word or we we hear a trend and we just want to jump in like we want to do it. So I want you to talk to us about, you know, one of the recent biggest scams that are happening and you know what what from your perspective has been the biggest learning when it comes to cryptocurrency and, and, and nfts and 
enlighten us with us. So, so let's talk about the five five most mm -hmm. common scams that yes. exist in 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 this industry. Um, the the first one I will I will highlight is called a rug pull scam. Okay. So a, a rug pull, as in if you can imagine a physical rug and you're standing on it, somebody pulls it from under your feet, you fall over. Um, so they call it a rug pull scam. And what it is 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 where developers create hype about the NFT. So, mm -hmm. so basically a group of developers uh, might buy into an NFT asset of some kind and then start trading it between each other. You know, it could be a group of friends mm -hmm. doing this. It could be a network of people doing this. And, and what they will do is they will trade it between each other and then they will use social media and other things in the markets to hype the value of that I so see. that regular investors start buying it at premium prices. So that's called a rug pull scam. Mm. Um, the rug pull scam um, was was sort of most famously, you know, brought into action by a few 20-year-olds, um, Ethan mm. Nguyen. Ethan Nguyen and Andre, I think it's pronounced Lacuna or Lesuna, and okay. what they did, and what they did was um, they touted their NFT with promises, um, exclusive minting, giveaways, yeah. dibs on on the metaverse and the internet and on social media, and investors poured close to one point five million dollars thereabouts. I think it was one point three million into yeah. into the scam and lost all their money. So, you know, there's that's one example of a rug pull scam. This now, now be before you go into the next one, I, it reminds me of you know when something is too good to be true. It isn't because that you know when you were talking about that particular, even though yes, it was related to cryptocurrency or NFTs, but sometimes we see these amazing opportunities inflated or or exaggerated and i think that's a key point i, I just mm -hmm. love that you you talk about that particular scam for, to remind our listeners that mm -hmm. sometimes you know the fear of missing out might put us at danger right yeah and and just for the listeners um as a as a disclaimer and and for me speaking on this i'm not a financial expert you know i've I've worked with the financial industry i understand technology in the financial industry but i'm by no means an investment banker and one thing when you do speak with investment bankers or finance professionals is they will tell you very transparently that all investment comes with risk so yeah. there's there a good good you know, financial advisor will tell you all investment comes with a certain amount of risk and, and it's up to you to be able to weigh that risk against your risk tolerance when you're making investments. But on the scale of risk, um, things like NFTs were at the red flag level. So even when they first got introduced into the marketplace, yeah. there was a lot of skepticism, even mm -hmm. more so, even more so than speculative stocks on the stock market. So speculative stocks, as you may understand, specul yeah. spe speculation is when they inflate the price of a stock when the value of the stock doesn't actually relate to the price. Um, it's the same with NFTs, very similar, but even worse because because a lot of speculation inside NFT scams was done be between groups of people that were that were basically in on it. You know, it's like a Ponzi scheme like, where yeah. people 
Yeah, yeah. So I'll move to the second most common type of, of scam, mm -hmm. which is a phishing scam. Mm -hmm. um, and phishing scams are when hackers try to, to access your NFT account details and they'll send out fake links and they'll use platforms like Twitter or, or chat platforms online. They'll put key logging software on your laptop. They'll put spyware access on your laptop. And then they'll try and basically get into your online accounts, your trading accounts or anywhere mm -hmm. that you're sort of doing crypto trading or NFTs. Um, there's a lot of fraudulent websites out there that collect your data. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Open OpenSea used to be one of those websites where um, they got compromised. Um, about nearly $1.7 million um, was their the the value of the hack. And what scammers did was they copied the trading platform. They sent an email out to all the owners that, that were on that platform and people obviously thought it was legitimate so yeah. they started mm -hmm. you know sending money um phishing in all aspects in cybersecurity that happens Definitely. a lot too so phishing is is not just in crypto or nfts phishing mm -hmm. is in general cybersecurity it's an identity theft there's a lot of phishing yeah. issues that are around the world and you know more about that than i do sandra <laughs> you're the expert yeah. on cyber yeah, there is a lot that happens in there. And, you know, the, the lesson is always, you know, again, going back to, you know, we, we talk again about this in the show all the time is, you know, being intentional, being very, very present. When you get an email, whether it's, you know, an email related to your cryptocurrency, if you are into that or related to anything, your bank account and really be present before taking an action on it. And mm -hmm. now, Neil, there, there is a case that happened a couple of weeks ago. Somebody went to, you know, it's, it's been, well, the conviction is not being set yet, but there is a case that has been all over the news with Sam Bagman fried about, um, I don't know if it's a Ponzi scam, but I want to have your perspective about this case because we, we, maybe we have seen it in the news. It was a very, very interesting reading for me about, you know, what could happen. And would you talk about that case? Please? Yeah. And, and before I get into that, the last two will refer to some of these cases in terms of some of the scams that are out there. The pump and dump scam. Mm -hmm. is 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 where fraudsters artificially inflate the price of an NFT or misrepresent information about a crypto currency something mm -hmm. like that so they pump pump up the value sell it make a profit themselves and run away with the money that's the pump mm -hmm. and dump kind of thing and wow. the last one is plagiarized NFTs and plagiarized NFTs is when you buy a digital asset that doesn't really exist or is a fake version of the original and you you think you're getting the original you get issued an, an, an nft it's it's minted um 80 of the work like an artwork or something mm. is st 
stole is stolen and and so you've purchased a fake you know and, and and so that's what a plagiarized digital nft is now coming back to your question and i had to mention those two as the last few scams is because a lot of these in fact all of these have been mentioned in a lot of the legislative uh, the legal lawsuits that are occurring especially mm -hmm. in the united states right now where the sec you know mm -hmm. federal organizations like the sec are literally taking crypto companies to court yeah. um and tokens are collapsing so if we look at some examples we look at um the sec is fighting companies like binance right now binance is, was a big uh cryptocurrency exchange set up um and the sec battle you know has been going on for for quite some time and this is on the on the heels of ftx and and if people haven't been sort of following this news um ftx was a, a cryptocurrency that made hundreds of millions of dollars and then basically um you know the the founders of that company um you know offloaded the 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 cash that they made um basically stealing there's no other word for it. Um, they issued tokens that were false. They they had no value to them. They issued digital currencies, um, you know, cryptos and NFT kind of tokens in circulation. And what they ended up doing was fraud for mm -hmm. the customers who were part of FTX to the tune of nearly two hundred and fifty million dollars. Mm -hmm. um maybe even more than that you know mm -hmm. we're, we're barely scratching the surface of how big the problem really was but ftx was the big you know one of the bigger um cryptocurrency exchange fraud cases that people have talked about in the last 12 months and again it was from young founders who are too ambitious who knew they could you know um make uh people look silly you know they, I, I don't think this was something that they they were that they were unaware of when they were doing it i i honestly think that the founders of ftx knew what they were doing they knew they were funneling money to hedge funds making risky bets losing money and taking money off innocent people and they still got away with this white collar crime for many years so it the amounts that they stole got into the hundreds of millions and so what's happened because of um ftx and because of uh crypto exchanges like binance um is that they've put the entire industry under yeah. under a security magnifying glass because yeah. if these exchanges collapse and a lot of investors lose a lot of money that has a domino effect on the real markets uh, where traditional stocks are being traded and that has a domino effect on then big banks and and everybody else who's part of the system and that filters down to you and me so, yeah, so mm -hmm. everybody is at risk when we hear about this now when we when we see sort of the alleged 
kind of um, hedge funds and things that are that are being um, sold in New York, for example. Um, mm -hmm. The the SBF hedge fund bet is a, mil a, a one billion dollar fraud case right now that's going on. Um, the latest news on CNBC was published on October the nineteenth, and what they said was that the digital currency group. Um, you know, people like Gemini, for example, and the digital currency group, uh, frauded more than 230,000 investors with a collective sum of $1.1 billion that was invested into these funds that were, you know, the money's gone. Mm -hmm. It's nowhere, nowhere to be seen anymore. So when we, when we think about NFTs and, and, and cryptocurrency and the things that are going on in, in digital currency inside of the metaverse or inside of internet, you know, however you want to see it. What we're seeing is a failure of best practices. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I don't want to ramble on too much, but the, I think from a legal point of view, and from a federal and banking point of view, there were there was no initial control over the industry because because a lot of the traditional bankers, uh, Federal Reserve, IMF, all of the international banking organizations, the big banks, a lot of the traditional banking institutions didn't necessarily understand at the very beginning of digital currency what it could bring to the world and what it meant for the world. Mm -hmm. And the the original, the people that initially created the algorithms mm -hmm. to develop Bitcoin and develop Ethereum and, and these kind of uh, digital currencies, they, some of these people were, were kind of um, of the thinking that this would be a way to democratize currency across the world. And mm -hmm. so the, the goal there wasn't to create very large profits. The goal was to make a standardized currency or a system where anyone in the world could buy and use this currency at an equal value with anyone else. So if I was sitting, for example, in, in let's say, Brazil, and I wanted to trade and 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 buy something in the United States. Obviously, the Brazil currency is a lot, you know, less in value than the United States. So the original purpose of the cryptocurrency was: can somebody in Brazil, let's say, buy one Bitcoin and then use that Bitcoin to trade for something of equal value in the United States or in Europe or somewhere else? So exactly. the, the founders who were originally, I think, you know, creating the algorithms for cryptocurrency were thinking about how do we democratize currency around the world and how do we make it digital so that everyone can access it? Unfortunately, what happened is that very quickly, um, you know, as people started jumping onto the 
you know, the, the monetization of cryptocurrencies and NFTs. And yeah. this, be this began in 2008, by the way. So 2008 mm -hmm. was when it first started. People mm -hmm. started getting into the space around 2009, 2010. That's when you saw the crypto mining industry ramp up. And yep. there, was, there was significant crypto mining, ASIC farmers, you know, uh, it affected the, the um, uh, semiconductor industry because people were buying big server farms and, and that meant a boost in, in prices for semiconductors as well. And so people were setting up these large mining operations to create lots of digital currency. And in the early days, when the value of that digital currency was very low, they were able to produce with that algorithm a lot of bitcoin or a lot of ethereum right but one of the one of the interesting things about bitcoin is the more the algorithm processes the harder it gets to produce one okay. so in the so in the beginning let's say i had five computers and i put the algorithm on each of these computers and they were able to produce five bitcoins in a day this is let's say 10 10, 12 years ago, let's say somebody was doing that, right? So they could produce five Bitcoin on five computers in one day. Now, if I then went and added another 20 computers, it would be a lot slower for me to produce the same five Bitcoin because the algorithm artificially slows it down to make sure... And, and the reason they did that was to make sure that the value of the digital currency being produced was going to continue to stay strong. So think about this in traditional uh, in tradi traditional monetary policy. We think about this in terms of uh, gold standard. So mm -hmm. I know you're, you're familiar yep. with that. I'm sure your listeners are familiar with the gold standard. And the gold standard about 100 years ago, um, what, what that was put in place for was so that the dollar that was being printed was to the equal value of purchasing gold. And, and then, you know, somewhere in the early 1900s, in 1914 or 15, what started to happen was they started to remove the gold standard from the US dollar and the international currencies. And then basically the government bonds started to back currency production. And that led to more inflation, that led to the weakening of mm -hmm. the dollar. And when you when you you know fast forward the clock to where we are now, you look at some of the things that affect our economy, it's inflation, right? If you try and mm -hmm. get a mortgage these days, you're paying an interest rate of eight yeah. percent on Right. So all of these things had a, a side effect in terms of if we take away the gold standard for our currency, we devalue the dollar, but we can produce more currency in circulation and that creates more business. Crypto was was on based upon the same foundation. You know, if you, if you create more of it, it's got to retain its value. And so we're going to make it harder to create more Bitcoin. So if, if you look now, the average time to produce a single Bitcoin is about 40 to 50 days. Wow. And, and, and so that's for one Bitcoin. For one Bitcoin. For one Bitcoin. And, and the amount of equipment you need, mm -hmm. the amount of computing processing power you need could be for that one bitcoin could be 50 computers all operating 24 hours a day 
for mm-hmm. for an entire six five or six weeks so it's it's got you know what i'm trying to say is it's it's difficult to make the currency now and that's why the value of the currency is so high artificially yeah. high and so when we sell that currency on the market it, it creates value um so yeah yeah so, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, it's fascinating. I just remember, you know, we, we always have this joke in my family because when you, we, we I was obviously in technology and uh, at the time, and I'm like, why didn't I buy a hundred bitcoins? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, um, you always had that question or you knew this stock was this price. Why didn't you buy more? Or why didn't you, you know, you always kind of uh, ask yourself those questions. But the thing is, you know, it's all about risk and it's all, you know, because to your point, yes, comparing all these different scams, like, we you know, the when we feel like, oh my God, I'm missing out. I got to just invest into something and you choose, you might not be choosing the right solution or, or you know, you, you might be choosing something just because everyone in, Everybody else is choosing it, and it, therefore, um, when it goes down, obviously, you know, at the end of the day, it's your money and my money that what disappears. Hmm. And 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 that's the point I want to make too, Sandra. That the the reason that things like Bitcoin got so much value was because many international countries that were trading their currency on on a much lower value than the US dollar were not able to compete in a, in the financial markets and so what they what they looked at when you know the the Bitcoin sort of came out was the, here is a currency that we can purchase digitally and then we can use that currency to trade at an equal level. And so they were also looking at the the democratization of the use of this of this digital currency for trade, selling, exchange, business, you know, to do business across. But the the the, the issue or the concern when that started happening was that entire you know, um, countries, investors in different countries around the world poured a lot of money very quickly into the digital currencies, you know, the, the trading currencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And, and that's why the value went from worth yes. nothing at all to worth, you know, tens of thousands of dollars over, over the last five years. So, yeah, that's one of the side effects. And I think the other point on that, which is obviously the cybercrime side, because many of, you have to remember, many of these currencies are also how payments are made. Like there, if there is a ransomware attack, I mean, they were using Bitcoin at the beginning. I, I, I remember working in a, in a situation years ago where they, they asked was, give me 500 Bitcoins to unlock the computer. You know, now we see Monero and other, you know, currencies being being asked but the point is you know the more cyber crime activities also happen that makes the currency also probably you know very appealing because you cannot trace it you know it's, it's pretty 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 hard to get you know to the source of who owns that you know cryptocurrency and obviously criminal groups know that and use it for their advantage 
Yeah, and 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 that's it's it's always going to be a concern as we become more a digital society. Like when yeah. we look at our when we look at our young people today, especially Gen Zs who are growing up now, and they are surrounded by cell phones and platforms and yeah. digital technology everywhere. Their banking, their whole lifestyle is revolved around a mobile application. You know, yeah. and so the, we've got an entire generation of of society now across the world that's growing up without knowing what the traditional, you know, ways of doing things were, the traditional yeah. banking or things like that, and 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 a lot of the time, I think even kids today um, are intelligent enough to recognize, um, or, or some of them even think paper money is silly. You know, they look for daddy and mommy's credit cards or, or whatever <laughs> it may phone. be. Or yes, <laughs> or the phone. Yeah, I mean, yes. there's been accidental things in, in digital currency. There's been accidental yeah. things where some, you know, a teenager will be playing on a, a cell phone game and they won't realize they're using money, but they've you know, the, their parents' card, card is attached to the phone. And every time they click a digital asset, they're purchasing that asset. And then the parents get a bill for $20,000 in the mail a yeah. month later. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. these, yeah, these things are happening right today and will continue to happen. And from a cybersecurity perspective, it's our responsibility to educate the market on how to stop these things from happening. Absolutely. Now, I want to gear the, the so want to talk about in your perspective, you know, how if someone that is listening to us but still wants to go into cryptocurrencies and they want to do this, they want to invest, what would be your advice? Like, you know, what what things they should consider, what, you know, what are the best practices? Like talk about some of that with us, please. Yeah, um so Personally, I mean, again, another disclaimer, I don't personally invest in cryptocurrency. Um, I think it's too big of a risk. I, I like traditional stocks. You know, I like traditional <laughs> tradi traditional investment vehicles and retirement vehicles like the 401k and Roth IRA here in the United States and, and in other parts of the world, what whatever their sort of um, traditional investment looks like. Um, so I, I'm not speaking from being a crypto investor, but from understanding enough about the industry to know what the risks are. And right now, if, if I was looking at the crypto market with all these lawsuits and things like that, I would look at first talk to an investment bank. You know, you want to talk to somebody like Fidelity or, um, you know, JP Morgan or one of the bigger investment advisories mm -hmm. um there's there's quite a few here there's quite a few companies that are investment advisory firms um edward jones you know it, it, just any yeah. of these investment firms um the reason i i say talk to one of the investment bankers that work at the at these investment firms is because they understand not just what's happening in the digital currency area but in the traditional money markets as well and they yeah. can give they can give you an intelligent perspective of 
you know, we understand the value of Bitcoin and, and it's, it's, you know, skyrocketing. We, we get that. But in the same way, here's how the NASDAQ is performing and here's how the S&P is performing. So they can give you a lot of perspective on investing mm-hmm. in the first place. Before you start buying cryptocurrency, learn to invest wisely is the advice. So, so you know, you, you've got to start with learn how to invest and then you'll know two important things. You'll know when to put your money in and when to pull your money out. And that's mm. that's fundamental to any kind of investing, not just crypto investing. But it's even more important for crypto investing because one day the value of a cryptocurrency could be $30,000. The next day it could be $300. If something went wrong, you can lose all your money very quickly. And that's the message. So learning how to understand the terminology of investing and mm. the basics and talking to an investment advisor who is certified and then they have the you know credentials and can talk to this topic better um that's your starting point for investment as yeah. you move or as you mature in, in in investing looking at markets like coinbase that are quite reliable crypto trading platforms you you want to set up a crypto wallet with coinbase um or somebody who's trustworthy um the most important thing that's starting to come in from a federal perspective now is that the the um the SEC and, and, and the controllers of, of sort of the money markets, the people who legislate the money markets, are now bringing in laws and rules and best practices for crypto trading companies. So when we think about a company like Coinbase, why, the reason where we're talking about them as a safe platform is because they're under a regulator. Yep. And, a, and the regulators from somewhere like SEC, from the government, that says this is how your business needs to operate in order mm-hmm. for you to keep your customers and their cash safe. And so, you know, that's it's just a starting point. But again, for me, and, and this may just be because I'm a little bit older now, um, I, I personally stay away from crypto. One, because <laughs> I can't afford to buy one single Bitcoin at $35,000 a coin. You know, it's it's ridiculous. Most of us can't do that. If we want to actually create value, you have to buy a lot of coins, and it's very hard to do that because of how expensive it is. Um, the other side of it is looking at things like Bitcoin and Ethereum and and the and the currencies. Let's say the top five currencies, and understanding what the value proposition of these currencies is in the market Mm -hmm. and the reason i say that is because every single digital asset you buy or every single paper asset in terms of currency that you might own has to be backed by something so our, our our currency that we use every day when we take money out of the bank is backed by the federal reserve Reserve, exactly so so when you're purchasing digital currencies you must understand what the value is and what it is backed by um in traditional traditional currency it's government bonds you know the buying and selling and trading of government bonds backs our traditional currencies um so so with cryptocurrencies have an understanding of how that works before putting your money in it sorry and i I love that and i think you know very important thing is not everything that seems legit 
might be legit. Like yeah. you even talk about Coinbase, but I know for a fact that some website have been duplicated or replicated and they are malicious. So, you know, it's all important also to always be very um, intentional, very aware. Like, you know, there are signs that some of these signs, you know, face, uh, sites are fake. If you see an offer, like say in social media, oh my gosh, I'm going to sell you this. Like just listen to what Neil is saying. Like go to your banker, go to someone that, that it's in the, in, in, in the financial institution that can guide you. Don't just go for, you know, seeing in the, in social media that this person is now, these celebrities endorsing this particular coin or this particular, you know, uh, cryptocurrency and and or is this new technology and just rush into buying because those are usually places that are going to be scamming are going to be you know fraud based places so um now we we have i mean this has been fascinating neil i could be here all day talking about this i'm i'm like listening i'm like oh my gosh like i never invested either so I love that everything that you share. Mm. So I appreciate you so much. I do ask two questions to everyone that comes to the show. But before I ask that, I ask those two questions. I'll ask you, is there anything that you want to share with, with, with our listeners? Is there any topic or anything that comes to your mind that, oh my God, I, I want to say this. <laughs> yeah, um, as, as it relates to the topic we discussed today, I linked for the listeners, and it's on your chat, uh, a very good website that's developed by JP Morgan on cryptocurrency and, and cryptocurrency trading. Now, this website has a lot of information on it that backs up a lot of what we talked about today in nice. terms of how decentralized currency, Bitcoin cryptocurrency works and how it's traded and how the big banks, you know, JP Morgan's the biggest bank in the world, how big banks, you know, invest within that market. So again, um, for, for your audience, talk to your financial advisor. Get a trusted financial advisor from a recognized company, you know, a large provider like JP Morgan or Fidelity or someone like that, and 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 really talk to them about understanding, you know, what you are buying, what are you investing yeah. in if you're investing in cryptocurrency, um, and and get a portfolio, you know, yeah. just as you with 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 any other investments. Um, Otherwise, you know, nothing, nothing else personally except for, you know, if there are businesses out there or if there are just individuals out there that would like to uh, work with me to reach out, you know, for, for either things like podcasts or even uh, projects. So, you know, if, you, if you're interested in, in developing technology or if you're interested in things like um, cybersecurity or, or the metaverse or any of these kinds of things, digital twins, that's an area I love to work in. Also artificial intelligence, you know, these kinds of spaces, um, you know, reach out. My website will be linked. My contact yes. information will be linked. So absolutely reach out, make a connection, connect with me, follow my content. I'm sure you'll get a lot of value from, from what I can offer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we will have, don't worry about, we will have all those links are going to be in the episode show the notes you're gonna have you know if you are driving you don't worry we got you you just <laughs> just be safe 
and, and you will have access to all of that in the notes. Now, I always ask Neil, like, what is your favorite piece of technology? And, and it could be software, it could be hardware, whatever that is. You know, what is your favorite and why? It's a very, very good question. Um, I, I will tell you about the, the thing that I had most fun on. It was actually virtual reality. Okay. But, but, but here is an interesting thing. Not all virtual reality is the same. So there's a lot of virtual reality games and there's the Oculus and all these things out there now. But I was, I was at the Consumer Electronics Show, CES, a few years ago. And there was a, um, I think it was one of the companies, I think it was Peloton or somebody like that. Um, it was one of the exercise companies that creates exercise equipment. And, and they actually partnered with HTC to create an exercise bike that was VR compatible. And this is the most fun thing I've ever done using technology. I put on the VR headset. I, I can send you a photo if you want something. Yeah, please. I, I put on the VR headset. I got on the exercise bike. And as you were pedaling, it, it created a digital game where it felt like you're on a flying bicycle oh, and, and, and and you could and you could feel yourself because uh -huh. of the the way the game was designed in vr you could feel yourself as though you were flying on a bicycle and oh, and, and 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 if you didn't pedal you know if you weren't pedaling the bicycle would drop and you, would, and, and you would feel the drop. So you had to keep pedaling in order for the bicycle to fly in order to, put, to complete the game. And, and that, for me, had to be one of the most experiential and wonderful experiences I've ever tried. I, I, I don't know if uh, the, the bikes are on sale now. I heard they were. <laughs> but that's the most fun thing I've ever done using technology. Wow. What a motivation. Like, you're not going to be... I think you you'll be like pedaling. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you, have to, you have to. Yeah, you have to pedal, and 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 it's a lot of really good exercise. Like when exactly, I exactly that's what I, I'm thinking. I, yeah, I was there. I I played through the whole game for ten minutes, and I was in a sweat. <laughs> you know, completely <laughs> sweating. So so it's it's a lot of fun. I will send you a photo of that. You're gonna get a. You're gonna I love enjoy it. That. Um, but, but, you know, the, this, these are the kinds of experiences that are positive that technology can enable. And I just love, I love seeing, especially when you look at technologies like virtual reality, um, it's a learning tool. And the amount of learning applications to teach you about many different careers and trades and 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 things you can do um, are growing every single day. So we have some great companies here in Ohio creating virtual reality solutions, but nationally and internationally, um, you know, there's a lot of companies doing work in that space too. And Amazing. you know, as as long as we can learn to use it safely. These technologies enhance the value of our work every day. Definitely, definitely. Thank you so much for that. I, I you know, do you, I just picture you flying <laughs> a bicycle and I love biking, so I love it. <laughs> now, my last question, Neil. You have your phone nearby, right? We usually have, you know, cell phones close to us. Now, I want you to think about your phone, whether it's close to you, in your hand or not. But I want you to tell me three things 
why you are grateful and you appreciate your phone. Why I appreciate my phone. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I use my phone mostly for, for business, for work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find it very helpful when clients are trying to reach out to me mm-hmm. and communicate with me. I, I use my phone a lot for checking email. Yeah. Um, I, I find that to be a very handy tool on a smartphone. Um, I can't live without that one. And the, <laughs> okay. and, and, and the last reason I, I absolutely you know um, can't live without my phone is the oh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, of a, of a good way to, to say this. So I'm not I, I don't use a lot of social media, mm-hmm. but I use LinkedIn a lot. Okay. So, so you won't see me on Twitter that much. You won't see me on Instagram or TikTok that much. But I am on LinkedIn every day. And the reason I'm on LinkedIn every day is because it's a professional network and that's where I find a lot of my business clients. So I, I, I'm very grateful that my phone allows me to check my LinkedIn account and also check whatever I post on LinkedIn. And the the interesting thing for me is that when you're on social media, you really need to produce content quite regularly in order to engage the audiences that you're trying to reach. In today's discussion, we're trying to reach a, an audience interested in investing, crypto and finance. But, you know, I love to speak you know, um, and and do blogs and things on LinkedIn, and speak on all technology topics. So that that's you know another reason I like my phone. I love it. I love it. And I, of course, we're gonna have your contact information. Everything will be in the show, so that anyone can follow you, Neil, and and sign up. You know, whether you have a blog or a newsletter, anything that you offer, all those notes are gonna be in the show. So this is being incredible. Thank you so, so, so much, Neil, for, for sharing with us so much. I mean, it's, I think we could do three or 10 shows and it's going to be different topics and we'll be here because it's, it's just fascinating how technology is evolving and, and, in, and it's everywhere. I mean, mm. Thank you uh, so much, Sandra, for having me on your show. I, I mean, you know, when I, I'd like to tell the audience when I first met Sandra, she, she was the rock star who walked into our office. <laughs> and so I was, uh, I was absolutely blown away by, by you as a person and, and Thank you. your best selling book and your work in cybersecurity and, and as a woman in technology as well. Um, so I, I'm appreciative of being part of your show and being here today. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I've provided in a very short space of time today some insights about crypto and also, you know, risks in, in crypto, mm-hmm. things that the consumers and the audience that listens to you should be careful about as they're going into cryptocurrency and investment. Yes, I love it. Thank you so much. And thank you, you, for listening because this show It's for you, for you to make decisions, for you to be intentional, for you to be aware, and for you to be mindful when you use technology. So until next week, see you. Bye for now. Ciao, ciao. See you later, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm so grateful for you today. So if you enjoyed this episode, please tag me in social media at way to protect Again, it's way number two, protect. 
and let me know if this episode has helped you. I would love to hear from you. And if you like to know more about me, check out my resources at my website, sandraesto.com. And remember, be intentional, be aware, and be mindful. Be I am. Be I am now. <laughs>